You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Tuesday, October 23rd. Penn State's preparing for a home game against Iowa, clash of ranked opponents number 17 and 18 in the AP poll would be a nice big win for the Nittany Lions. They can kind of get their season back on track this Saturday. We're going to look ahead to that game and also back a little bit at Penn State's five point win against Indiana with John McGonigal of the center daily times. He's going to join us here early on our first and second, second segments of today's show. So we'll get to our interview with John in just a minute. We'll also have our updated Big Ten power rankings to close out today's show. Obviously, a lot of movement there with uh, with Ohio State going down at Purdue. That was quite a scene on West Lafayette. So, yeah, Buckeyes are dropping. Boilermakers are rising in those Big Ten power rankings coming up the end. Uh, but, yeah, this is a, this is a really a big week for Penn State. I think it's going to be the week where we learn a lot about what this team wants to do the rest of the year. And uh, it's Penn State at home where they were so reliable until the last couple games against a team that is playing some pretty good football and is not going to be easy to beat. So this would certainly be a win, no matter how Penn State gets it, that can restore confidence and uh, something that they need right now. So, uh, Let's talk about that with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. Here's our interview with John. All right, I am happy to be joined now by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, how are things going, buddy? Good, man, good. Back in State College after a lovely Saturday in Bloomington, Indiana, the heart of Indiana, and uh, spent a day in Philly on Sunday to watch the Eagles lose, and that was lovely. So, uh, so yeah, pretty cool. I've 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 never uh, I've never watched a team from Pennsylvania play really really well for three quarters and then lose. This is uh, some baffling stuff we saw there on Sunday in the city of brotherly love. But you know, well, uh, yeah, de- definitely. You know, it's blowing, a fir- there's a first time for everything. I guess blowing fourth quarter leads is definitely something that Pen- you know Pennsylvania fan you know football fans are are definitely definitely uh, definitely not used to this year. No, no, it was a it was a shocking surprise, and my body didn't know how to handle. Uh, anyway, let's talk about that Penn State football team, which did not blow a fourth quarter lead. They, they wanted they to got close. They got closer <laughs> they than than to. you know we you some would have preferred. Uh, just just two days now. We're we're recording this Monday night. Uh, two days after after watching that game, how do you feel and? Uh, how do you feel about that game, and how do you feel about Penn State going into this stretch against three ranked opponents? Meh. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, look, they they had an opportunity on Saturday in Bloomington to go out and reestablish themselves, right? They, they had two two back to you know back to back losses, and, and they were ugly the way that they ended. They, I mean, the entire game was really ugly against Michigan State. They at least looked good for three quarters against Ohio State, but. They had an opportunity out in Bloomington to go up against a defense that had not played well this year. And, yeah, you put up 33 points, and I I don't want to take that away from them. There were some good things, and we can get into that in a little bit. But overall, the offense just just had a sink. You know, the 
the defense I thought played fine for, for, for the most part, but I, I was expecting a performance. Honestly, I was expecting kind of an emphatic performance against Michigan State last week after, you know, after the way they lost to Ohio State. And I, I was kind of, you know, thinking like, will they come out and really, you know, put, put the, you know, put their feet on, on Indiana's throat and they just didn't do that. Um, so it, it's hard for me to sit here and say that that five point win in, in at Indiana really gives, you know, some confidence going into this stretch. I thought they needed an emphatic win. I mean, they needed a win period. I thought they needed an emphatic yeah. win and they, they didn't really get it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it, could have been worse, but sure. it also certainly, certainly could have been better. One of the things that that seems they kind of just keep waiting for to to solve itself, and you thought it would by this point. We're we're basically a week away from Halloween, and Penn State's receivers still are having a lot of trouble catching the football. It is a baffling problem that doesn't really seems like it has an answer. I mean. How much has this surprised you to the level? Because these are some talented guys. Uh, Jawan Johnson is very good. DeAndre Tompkins has been a big part of this offense for a couple years. How much have you been surprised by their inability to consistently catch catchable balls? It has absolutely stunned me, and and I I feel bad. I, I genuinely feel bad for Trace McSorley. Uh, I, look, you saw the drop issue show up in Week One against App State, and at that time, I'm thinking, okay, it's it's Week One. You know, right. they, they kind of get a pass. They can, they can bounce back from this. And then they go at Pitt, and, and DeAndre Tompkins drops two touchdowns. And But then it's like, okay, the weather was horrible. Like, it was raining. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. It was muddy. Heinz Field is an absolute, you know, it's a pretty woof field in terms of, like, field conditions. So you're like, okay, maybe they get a pass there. But then it just hasn't stopped. I, I mean, it just hasn't it hasn't stopped. They're up to 22 drops on the year, 21, depending on where you look. And I have them down for 22. Um, it... it DeAndre Tompkins has 23 receiving yards. I mean, on the season, Juwan Johnson has not looked like a potential, you know, first round pick. KJ Hamler has played well, but even he got, you know, caught with a drop bug. Brandon Polk was inserted into the starting lineup a few weeks into the year because he was a sure-handed guy, and he had two drops on Saturday, including a drop touchdown pass. So, you know, I know a lot of fans are calling for the freshman. I don't know if that's necessarily the answer because my thing is look if if Penn State could have just inserted Jahan Dotson Justin Shorter and Daniel George into the starting lineup and you solve the problems they would have done it I I don't think they would be hesitant about doing that but you know to to insert freshmen at this point in the season seven weeks in and expect them to have a rapport with a fifth year you know fifth year senior three-year starting quarterback might be a tough ask but I don't they got to change something because it's just not getting it's not getting the job done and with the, with this game against Iowa on Saturday against Michigan and against Wisconsin I mean they play three top 30 pass defenses Michigan is the top yeah. country and, and Iowa is a top 20 pass defense so it's not like it's going to get easier by any means and um, yeah I, I'm, I'm just really stunned that, that that group hasn't turned it around and it do- definitely doesn't look good on David Corley, the first-year wide receivers coach who took over for Josh Gaddis. And, uh, you know, Josh Gaddis' wide, wideouts down in Alabama are doing pretty damn well for himself. So I don't – maybe <laughs> maybe that's the maybe that's the issue. Um, but there, there's more than one issue in that wide receiver room right now. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the freshmen that we saw briefly uh, in the Kent State game, basically Daniel George, Jahan Donson, Justin Shorter – 
Uh, I know Juwan Johnson was limping uh, when he came off the field at, at Indiana. What what do you expect in terms of personnel when Penn State trots out there on Saturday against Iowa? Yeah, look, I uh, I, I don't want to. I never speculate about injuries, but it did not look good. He had an ankle wrapped, did not play in the second. This Juwan Johnson did not play in the second half. Mm-hmm at Indiana and I was on the field, you know, as we are like kind of toward, toward the end of the game and as the whistle blow and all that, and he's walking off the field. And I, I use walking very generously because he was hobbling. I, I mean, he looked like he needed a walker to get off that field. It was really mm-hmm. bad. Uh, some, you know, trace and some other teammates like went over to, to offer basically to help him off the field. And he kind of shooed him away. And, you know, basically he was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine, but, he did not look fine, and so if he's on, we'll find out. You know, by the time some of these listeners, you know, hear hear the pod, the answer might already be out there with James Franklin's yeah. press conference coming at twelve thirty on Tuesday. Uh, he will be asked about Jawan Johnson's status, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, James is always close to his vest, so he may not give give away if he's playing or not. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play, and so in Juwan's absence. I would I would expect it would be Cam Sullivan Brown, the redshirt freshman, would likely start in his place. We actually get to talk to Cam Sullivan Brown this week on the conference call. If you want to read into mm-hmm. you know if you if, you, if you're someone who wants yeah. to read into that, um, and he played well when he filled in. Uh, he had a couple of catches right off the bat in the third quarter, and I think I think he could you know fill in nicely for a guy who was really struggled. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... It's at the point where you, I mean, you obviously hope Jawan Johnson's okay, but it seems like they need to try something different. Injuries aside, they need to do something because what they're doing right now, and a lot of it, like, I don't know if that's more balls down the field because it's a lot like you're just dropping slant passes or, or these short these short passes that, that are not even going for first down yardage. Maybe you try more down the field. Is, is there any indication that Penn State is going to change up game plans because of its drop issue? Nothing to this point. I agree with you. I think they need to take more downfield shots. You look at the Michigan State game alone. You know, it didn't. It seemed like they didn't take any downfield shots until late in the third quarter, and that was a that was a defense that was allowing over 300 yards passing a game and was the 122nd ranked pass you know pass uh, defense in the country. So you, you thought it would maybe come then, and it didn't really do that. It didn't really. You know, come to fruition against Indiana. I don't know, man. I, I they I feel like they have to. Uh, I don't know what's going on, or you know what what Ricky Ronnie is is kind of thinking, how he's thinking this thing through. And I honestly don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I, I think Penn State should take more shots downfield. I think that's pretty evident. It just uh, it's a matter of whether Ricky will pull that trigger or not. And I will say a part of it is I'm, I'm sure you know. And, and James Franklin mentioned this too. Um, that with some of these receivers, you know, running wrong routes, some of the younger guys are running wrong routes. And so Trace will, you know, kind of pull it down and not throw it to them. And what James mentioned is that Trace is actually kind of more hesitant now to pull the trigger downfield to those younger receivers who fail to run routes earlier in the game. So he, he's hesitant to go to those guys. So maybe it's a Trace thing. I, don't, I mean, there, there's a lot of factors here at, at play, uh, but they got to figure it out. They really do. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute, but first we have to step away for a quick break. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. We're with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, uh, Penn State, we look at this stretch and it 
seems daunting if you look at it as you know a collective three games in a row here. But mm-hmm. I think that if Penn State plays its best football, they certainly have a chance to win each of these games. Yeah. They'd have to play maybe near perfect and have a lot of things go right in Ann Arbor. But when you look at just let's say like let's look at Penn State Iowa, if Penn State is going to win this game on Saturday, uh, what's the biggest reason why they're going to do it? I think I mean what well, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but they got to figure out the passing game, and mm-hmm. maybe that's getting mile you know, continually getting miles involved. Um, they're also going to need to you know make plays. Their turnover margin is not that great. I mean, yeah, they, they forced some turnovers yeah. at Indiana, which was a positive. Um, but Iowa's offense has really improved this year. Nate Stanley yeah. taking care of the balls, pushing down, pushing the ball downfield with success. Noah Fant, their tight end is a, is a first round pick. And yeah. Iowa is, is, you know, they're, they're not the, they're not the old Iowa that, you know, yeah, they, they ran 52 times against Maryland and just kind of, you know, bludgeoned them with a 23 to nothing win over the weekend. So they can still do that, but they are doing well and pushing the ball downfield. And so you have to make an eight Stanley pay. You really, you have to get those turnovers and then also do something with them because, you know, it seemed like at, at Indiana and, and, and even, you know, throughout the year that they've been getting these turnovers and either settling for three points or, you know, getting deep in, in opponent's territory and just not finishing off drives. So it's fixing the passing game. It's capitalizing off these turnovers, finishing drives in general, um, fixing the third down woes. I mean, last year they, you know, Penn State was fifth in the country in third down conversion percentage, and they entered the game at Indiana ranked 82nd in the country, and they mm. went five for 15 against the Hoosiers, two of eight in the first half. That's not going to get done. So those three things, I mean, you need to hit at least two of those three, I think, to beat Iowa. And that's saying something. Iowa, I like Iowa a lot. I've liked Iowa since the preseason, yeah. and they've played well. They have they're six and one against the spread for those betters out there. They're you know they've made betters very happy this season, and that's indicative of a good team. So, uh, Penn State's going to have its hands full on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just last thing before we let you go here, it feels like, and you can I mean in the context of the the whole season, maybe it's not the case, but it feels like a big game just for the rest of Penn State's yep. season. Because maybe if you lose this one, then that kind of snowballs into a loss at Michigan, and then who knows what happens against Wisconsin, and then so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Do you agree that this is kind of this game could kind of turn the tides of where, where Penn State is entering November, whether they can go still go nine and three, ten and two versus seven to five, eight and four? Yeah, absolutely. This game is critical in that regard. You look at. Um, you know, they entered this weekend with an outside, you know, with, with a chance, with a pretty clear path to get to the Rose Bowl. You know, win out, have Ohio State do the same, and Ohio State, you know, gets to the playoff. And then the next, you know, the, the next, uh, the, the highest ranked bid from the Big Ten would go to Penn State, and they could get to the Rose Bowl. You know, Ohio State losing definitely put, you know, dampers that a little bit because Michigan is now looking like a playoff team potentially. And, Ohio State would then go to the Rose Bowl, all that kind of stuff. But a 10-2 season, a New Year's Six Bowl, is still within Penn State's sights. It just seems like the way that they're playing, the way that they damn near threw that Indiana game away at the end, it seems like that, that's not where this season's going. They can change that against Iowa. If they come out and play really well, think about this. Penn State has won four straight against Iowa. They've covered in three of them. If they come out and do the same, if they can, if they can dominate, 
if they can actually put a stamp on, on a game like this, then yeah, I think 10 and two is a real possibility because it gives you that confidence going into a road game at Michigan and going, you know, after that they, they host Wisconsin. But if you come out and fall flat, then you're five and three. The best you can do is nine and three, and you're looking at the Citrus Bowl, and that's really the best you can do. And at that point, what do you have left to play for other than pride? And a lot of those younger guys, I mean, there it would be a gut check for them. It would be a look in the mirror type situation for them. So I think a lot hinges on this game, not just you know to get a sixth win and get bowl eligible, but to you know then finish out the season strong and have a reason to do so. Yeah. And uh, thinking back to the Iowa game last year, it is it is nice to remember that Penn State can close yes. out fourth quarters and close out close yep. games. So that maybe they can do that again on Saturday. John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times, a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the show. We're going to close out today with our Big Ten Power Rankings for the week. We will start at number 14, where it is still Rutgers. Rutgers, uh, they actually kept it close with Northwestern last week, and uh, hey, it's a, a a moral victory there for the old Scarlet Knights, which is the probably the only other kind of victory they're going to get this season. Uh, the rest of the way, Rutgers really steamrolling toward that 1-11 and 11 finish. Illinois is 13th this week. Uh, they dropped down because Nebraska won. Uh, Northwestern did look bad. They, they kept it somewhat close in a weird quasi-blizzard in Madison against Wisconsin, but yeah, it's been uh Northwestern got its big 10 winning its Rutgers a few weeks ago and will probably be the only one they have at number 12 this week is Minnesota. So there are two teams in the big 10 without a conference win. One of them is Minnesota or one of them is Rutgers. Minnesota is the other one. Not great company there for the Gophers. They lost, uh, gave Nebraska and Scott Frost their first big 10 win. And uh, on Saturday in Lincoln, and Nebraska is actually 11th in these rankings. So good for Scott Frost and the Huskers. They finally got that monkey off their back there. Got in the win column. They are now 1-6. They should be 2-6 because they play uh, they play Bethune-Cookman this week. It was a game that was rescheduled after their opener with Akron got canceled. Uh, so maybe they can build a little two-game winning streak. Might be short-lived because after that, they travel to Ohio State. Indiana is number 10 this week. The Hoosiers, uh, I mean, hey, you you guys saw it. They put up a fight against Penn State. They kept it much closer uh, than they did uh, two weeks ago when they got blown out against Iowa at on homecoming. So Indiana covered the spread. They probably showed uh, they, they used two quarterbacks against Penn State. So maybe Michael Penix is part of their future. Maybe not. Uh, Peyton Ramsey looked all right. Like they, they did have, as we talked about yesterday, 554 yards of offense. So there were some positives there for Indiana. They, uh, they still need two wins to get bowl eligible in 20, 2018. So we'll see if that happens. Number nine this week is Maryland. The Terps did not score a point at Iowa. Not a great showing from a team that has some promise and is miraculously still the only team in the country that has a win against Texas this year. Baffling. Uh, Maryland does host Illinois this week, can probably get their fifth win in the season, uh, and they have a tough stretch coming up. They still have to play Penn State and uh, Ohio State and Michigan State. So it's a, uh, a lot of tough games left there for the Terps. Number 
eight this week is Northwestern. Wildcats are eighth because they they technically won. <laughs> they they beat Rutgers by three, so you know there's something there, something to it. It's a win, and uh, they beat Rutgers by three, and their win at Purdue looks so much better now after what Purdue did on Saturday night. So Northwestern is four and one in the Big Ten West, and hey, their Big Ten title hopes are alive. Though their next three games are uh, they're not going to be easy. They play Wisconsin at home this week, then they got Notre Dame at home, and then they play at Iowa. So uh, good luck with that, Pat Fitzgerald. He's gonna gonna need it there. Number seven this week, that's where we have Penn State's opponent. It is the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I like Iowa, and I think they're pretty good, and will probably not finish the season in seventh in the Big Ten power rankings. But they're six and one. The, what's their best win right now? Is it Iowa State? Is it Maryland? They shut out the Terps this week. They're now 18th in the AP poll. They have something to prove at Beaver Stadium. It is. It would be their best win of the year and is maybe their biggest hurdle left from a, another slip-up in conference play. We'll see. Uh, so uh, big game this week for the Hawkeyes. Big game for Penn State. Should be a fun one at Beaver Stadium. Maryland, or Maryland, excuse me, Wisconsin is sixth this week in these power rankings. Badgers back in the win column. Um they, they beat Illinois at home, again, in that weird snowstorm. They have road games. They got, after getting their clocks cleaned at Michigan, they have road games left at Northwestern, at Penn State, and at Purdue. How many of those games can they win? If they win them all, they probably win the Big Ten. If they win two of them, if they beat Northwestern and Purdue, maybe still win the Big Ten West. I meant the Big Ten West, not the Big Ten, but... Wisconsin still controls its own destiny to win that side of the conference, but so do a lot of teams. So it might be more fun than just the usual Wisconsin steamrolling to Indianapolis. Penn State fifth this week. That's right. I think it's the spot that works for Penn State here. It's uh, as we mentioned on, on these shows, uh, they have something to prove in the next couple weeks. Underwhelming performance at Indiana. We'll learn a lot about Penn State against Iowa and, and Michigan and Wisconsin. We'll see where they are. Uh, in, in three weeks from now is really going to define Penn State season. Michigan State is fourth. Still have to have them ahead of Penn State in these rankings. But boy, the Spartans' offense looked real bad against Michigan after a pretty solid showing against Penn State. They had 94 yards. That's it, 94 yards at home after Michigan tore up their midfield logo before the game. Uh, Michigan State had their Big Ten title hopes were alive after they beat Penn State, and they're pretty much gone again unless something goes drastically long, wrong for Michigan over the next couple weeks, and Ohio State for that matter. Something did go wrong for Ohio State, who's number three for the first time this year in the power rankings, that they are not number one. Buckeyes are third this week because they got beat down by Purdue and West Lafayette. I'm sure many Penn State fans saw and enjoyed that. Buckeyes have done this two years in a row now, go on the road and lose to a good, not great Big Ten West team, and just get blown out. They got blown out by Iowa last year in Iowa City. Saturday night, it, it felt, I always thought Purdue was going to give Ohio State a game. I did not think that they would win, and I certainly did not think they would win by 29 points. It was a just a clinic from Jeff Brom and that team. Had to feel good for the whole program. Uh, so congrats to Purdue. Ohio State has a lot of question marks. Uh, they are... I mean, they still have to play Michigan State and Michigan. Buckeyes could end up losing. Uh, they could end up losing another game or two here in the regular season. Well, they they have some problems and it, 
on both sides of the ball, honestly, probably more on their defensive side of the ball, but the offense also did look great out there against the Boilermakers. Uh, Purdue is number two this week. That That's right. Purdue has to be number two. Uh, the Boilermakers definitely feel like they're the second best team in the Big Ten right now. I would not want to play them, especially in West Lafayette, especially at night. So good for Jeff Brom and Rondale Moore and David Blah and all those guys. They are a legitimate threat. The Purdue Boilermakers are to win the Big Ten West after starting the season 0-3. That would be a crazy story, uh, and it could happen. They do. They have a tough schedule, though. They, they play at MSU this week. They have a brutally tough crossover schedule. So at Michigan State this week, another, if they win that one, Purdue will almost certainly be in the top 25, and uh, then, it's, then it's just them and, and Iowa and Wisconsin, and who knows? Who knows what happens? They're they're definitely the funnest, and objectively, if you're going to root for a Big Ten West team and root for chaos, seeing Purdue go to the Rose Bowl instead of like if it's like them or Michigan, yeah, you'll root for Purdue. Michigan number one this week. Here we are, week eight after week eight, and Michigan is clearly the best team of the Big Ten right now. They are quickly becoming the Big Ten favorites. They're the only unbeaten team left in the Big Ten uh, in conference play. Their only loss is to Notre Dame, who has not lost all year. Uh, they handily took care of Michigan, or uh, took care of Wisconsin, and then followed it up with just a dominating, suffocating defensive showdown or showdown beatdown of uh, Michigan State on Saturday. Jim Harbaugh's team looks great. That defense is scary. They're going to be tough for Penn State and Ohio State. Those are obviously two big ones left on the calendar for this team. Uh, they have a bye week, too, to get ready for Penn State, which is bad news for the Nittany Lions. So Michigan will probably sit there and be in the top five in the eight people when Penn State visits Ann Arbor in a few weeks. Won't shock me if college game day is there as well. So uh, Michigan Wolverines right now, after Ohio State's horrible outing in, in West Lafayette, looking like the team to beat in the Big Ten. All right. Those are our Big Ten Power Rankings for this week, and that is another edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later in this week. We'll, we'll take a closer look at Iowa. We'll also have uh, our three things to know uh, this week for Penn State and uh, the big question of the week later in the, in the week on this show. So make sure you look out for those episodes. You can Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lines on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a rating and review if you can. That is greatly appreciated. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to talk more. Penn State, Iowa. I'll talk to you then.